Let's get in the word now. And so um, in the first service, I sort of meandered into talking, uh, preached about the, uh, the um, Good Samaritan parable. I'm not going to do that because I wandered into talking about refugees and things like that and, and, and saying that maybe perhaps as Christians we should get our view of who's our neighbor based on Scripture, not based on CNN or Fox News or a talk show or what the White House says or what one of our esteemed political parties say. And I thought, well, uh-oh, I'm getting in trouble here. Um, you know, but, but so I'm going to do a Christmas message this service. <laughs> we're going to be, we're going to do a safe Christmas message. All right. And so I don't, uh, I don't um, get anybody nervous. But would it be good if we formed our views of all of life through scripture? Yeah. Wouldn't that be a good thing? And I, I wish Christians would do that, but I find so often Christians, uh-oh, here I go, I find so often Christians are not reasoning through the lens of Scripture. And then I'm going, well, well, wait a minute, how can you be so Christian in so many things, and then when you get into this, you just sort of chunk the Bible aside, and then start mimicking something you heard from somebody. Like, can't we just think, we, we, it's all or nothing, Christianity is sort of an all or nothing thing. And the Bible is supposed to be our final authority for how we think, how we believe, how we live, what we say. That's the final authority. All right, Christmas sermon, Christmas sermon. Okay, I'm so glad to see Grace Covenant celebrating the Christmas season. A lot of churches don't do that. And here's why I'm glad. Christmas tree, fine, take it or leave it. That's a beautiful tree. Candles and all that, but... but Here's what happens. I, I just flew last night from San Diego to, to uh, Dulles. And like every time, they, they get up and you fly and they, they tell you the same thing before every flight. Now, I was on Southwest, so they do it a little different. They get your attention and the guy goes, okay, everybody pay attention. I'm about to insult your intelligence. That's what he said. He said, I'm going to show you how to put a seatbelt on. Watch this carefully. Okay, and so we watched. But he said the same thing about the seatbelt and about the emergency exits and about your tray table and all that. And, and, you know, you get on a plane, they say the same thing over and over and over because it's supposed to maybe save your life at some point. And there are some things that are so important we need to say them over and over and over. And the message of Christmas is one of those. Uh, not you better be good, you better be... Not, not all that. And, you know, Santa Claus is coming and keeping a list and checking. Not, not that. But there's a message there. There are three three theological foundations of our Christian faith that set Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. And there are three times a year we look at that. Christmas, we look at the incarnation, the idea of God coming to earth in human flesh, the divinity of Christ. And it's important that we repeat that over and over and over. And if we have to have a season and wear red and green and have trees and all that, to have a moment to remind us of one of the vital theological foundations of our faith, then let's do that. Another one is substitutional atonement. What happened on the cross? We just had communion. Once a month, we go back to that same message of what Christ did on the cross. Actually, every Sunday we do that. And the other one is Easter, the resurrection. And from the atonement, the resurrection, the incarnation, that's what makes Christianity unique. And so to go back and revisit the theology and the truth of those lessons is vital. And so I'm glad you do that. And I want to give you a Christmas message today. I want to tell you a story. I told you we have three sons. And um, we've spent 
We lived in the Philippines for 24 years. The last eight years, we've been splitting time. We go back and forth. We have, a, we have an apartment in Manila and, and a home in Nashville. We go back about every two months, back and forth for the last eight years. But when we lived there for 24 years, we usually did Christmas there. But occasionally, we would come to the States and do Christmas with family. My kids were always bored to death with American Christmas. Filipino, any Filipinos here? All right, there we go. Filipinos have the longest Christmas. It's September till January. <laughs> Seriously, Christmas music starts in the malls in September. The Filipinos call it the Burr months. September, October, November, December. The Burr months. That's Christmas. Isn't that right? So we came to America in 1989 for Christmas. My oldest son was four. My next son was two. My youngest was not yet born. In my wife's family, here's how they do Christmas. They, well, like all Americans, they overdo Christmas, but here's how they do it. They get a big pile of gifts. And all the gifts that are to William are in this pile that's bigger than he was. And then there's all the two Jonathan pile. There's all the two the cousin pile and two the uncle. And there's these piles of gifts. And then when my wife's family, the youngest starts first and they tear into their gifts. And then the next one gets theirs. And then it's now it's your turn. And that's how they do it. Now, this was the first time my four-year-old had had one of these kind of Christmases. And we realized pretty quickly something's wrong. We realize this, when you focus on what you get, you will always be disappointed. If you focus on what you get rather than what you give, you will always be disappointed. Now, my son had his first experience at four years old in Toys R Us. He had never seen so many toys in his life. He thought he had died and gone to heaven. And he decided what he wanted, and for weeks he told us. He said, Dad, all I want for Christmas is a bow and arrow with real arrows. I'm going, what kind of damage will a four-year-old do with real arrows? He goes, Dad, I mean real arrows. I said, okay, what do you mean real arrows? He goes, yeah, you know, the ones with those blue rubber things on the end. If you lick them, they stick on your head. Those, oh, real arrows. Like in Toys R Us. Okay, real arrows, bow and real arrows. So now it's Christmas Eve at my in-law's house, and so now the, it goes youngest to the oldest, so the youngest up to grandfather, you know, and so now it's his turn, and William, four years old, he rips through this, opens it, literally tosses it. Next one, opens, tosses it over his shoulder. We're going, oh no, who is that kid? Who let him in here? Who is he? He's not related to us. We didn't, we're raising Christian kids. Your kids ever not act like Christians? Anybody raise any pagan kids in here? So I don't know who that is. He must have gotten that from your side of the family. He actually got to the point, he didn't even totally unwrap them. He just lipped, see what it was. It wasn't a bow with real arrows, and he tossed it. He finally got the real arrows. They were down under the pile of half-wrapped gifts. But when you focus on what you get rather than what you give, you're always going to be disappointed. Now, with that thought in mind, let's look at this text. And we live in a get obsessed culture what does the bible say about this luke chapter 2 three verses and three words i only have a three word sermon okay three words we're going to look at three verses and three words one word each verse but the angel said to them luke 2:10 the angel said to them do not be afraid i bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people the operative word is all remember that Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Word number two, today. Verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped 
in clothes lying in a manger. Word number three is baby. Let me talk about this real quickly. Verse 10, he says, this message, this good news is for all the people. This was a message to Jewish shepherds. In those days, Jewish people thought that God really liked their culture, their religion, their ethnicity, their people group more than he liked others. In fact, they weren't even sure he liked the others. If you were not, if you don't look like us, talk like us, eat like us, dress like us, listen to our kind of music, you are less than what God's best is all about. That was their idea of their people. And so the message came, no, no, no. The good news that I'm giving from heaven is for all people, not just you, not just people like you, not just for Jews, but for Gentiles also. All ethnicities, all ages, all educational levels, all economic statuses. One reason that I so love this text right here, I so love this church and every nation churches all over the world. We're aggressively, intentionally, and deliberately multi-ethnic and multicultural because the message we have is for all people. Anybody here grow up in uh, Church of God in Christ? All right. You know this. I love the way the founder, Kojic founder C.H. Mason said this in late 1800s. He said, the church is like the eye, a little black and a little white. Without both, we cannot see. And the more we do life, in a multi-ethnic world, the better we see. For Mason's world, it was black and white, but for our world, it's way beyond that. It's black and white in every, every shade of color in between. And the more of that we do, church and life with, the better we see, and the better perspective we have. And that has to filter into our view of all ethnicities who are coming to this country that we can go to them and God will send them to us. Verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. The first key word is all. This message is for everyone. But then he says today. You think about this. These are Jewish people. and Their nation has been taken over by the evil Roman invaders. And the Roman army was ever present. And they had lived for the day when their Messiah would come. And in their minds, their Messiah would come and fix their economy and fix their politics, and fix their military. And all of these things would happen, and their nation would be back what it was. And like today, a lot of those people were very confused about their religion and their nation. And like a lot of Christians today in America, sometimes they reason from their, from their passport what is an American thing, and they get confused about what is American and what is biblical. And they get confused about their political associations and what is biblical. And they, they relate certain things, and they're, 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 they're really confused like these guys were. And when he said, today, your Savior, your Messiah, your Lord, today that's happened. I think they thought that meant the Roman army would be gone. The Roman tax system would be gone. All the political and economic and military things we have hoped for would all great today, yes. And they woke up the next day, and you know what? Nothing had changed. Nothing had changed. He said, today, the Messiah, the Lord, your Savior is here. And it was 30 years before there was even a hint of miracle and power that they had hoped for. 
I don't know where you are. I don't know what your today is. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's a loved one getting saved. Maybe it's your job, financial, breakthrough, health. I don't know. But you may have one of those. Maybe Pastor Jim gave you a prophecy about what God was about to do. And you think, that was three years ago. Well, this today took 30 years. So I want to encourage you with a Christmas message today. Listen, he said today, but it didn't mean everything instantly was all perfect. You hold to that promise. Sometimes when God steps into things, it takes a little while before you see the results of that. Don't get impatient. Wait and trust. Verse 12, he talks about this sign he'll give them. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes. They were expecting a king in a palace, and they got a baby in a barn. They're expecting a military power to get rid of the Romans, and what they got was a, was a parable teller. It wasn't what they expected. And I think sometimes we get these things in our mind about what we think God is going to do and what we think God's salvation and God's deliverance and God's blessing and God's provision. This is what we think that looks like. And what God does is rarely lining up with the picture we've created in our mind. And he said, I'll give you a sign that you're going to find a baby. A baby? We want a warrior. Baby in a manger? God usually, whatever he's doing, usually starts small and grows, and it takes a long, long, long time. But you know what? If you're thinking only about what you get, and that's what they were thinking, this Savior, okay, this is what's it. You think about what you get, you're usually disappointed, even when God gives it. You've got to shift and think about what you give. You think about what you get out of church, you're going to be disappointed. If you come here to give your worship to him, you're going to leave full. You think about what you're going to get out of your marriage, you'll be disappointed. You think about what you're going to give in your marriage, you're going to have a good marriage. Your job, everything you do, if you go through life with a thought process of I am here to give, not I'm here to get. When we focus on what we get rather than what we give, we're usually disappointed. You know how we solved it with our kids? And how, how many of you have children here? You got, anybody have small children? Okay, here's what we did. Every Christmas after that disaster in Savannah, Georgia, <laughs> we still did the piles. But this time, the piles said, from William, from James, from Jonathan, from Mom, from Dad. And from that year on, every year, my kids are adults now, we still do the same thing. When they were little, from that day on, we started staying, starting in December going, we never ask them, what do you want to get for Christmas? Never. From that day, never ask them again until now. What we ask them is, what do you want to give your mom for Christmas? What are you going to give your brother for Christmas? And you know what? It became an exciting adventure to go figure out what to give my brothers and my friends and my parents. And the whole conversation, the only conversation we had around Christmas time is, what are you going to give? And it became an exciting thing. And so now, there's your pile. William, it's your turn. And you get to give your gifts now. And you get to give and give and give. Okay, James, it's your turn. And you get to give. And you get to give. Because the whole thing has been building up. And then they can't wait for When is my turn to give? Can I go next? And we flip the script. And I hope that will help you at Christmas time to get the focus on giving. Because if you live to get, you're going to be disappointed. You live to give, and that's a full life. And and you know what? Listen, ultimately, Christmas is about God gave his only son 
to come down here, to live the life we should have lived, to die the death we should have died, so that he could then give us the free gift of eternal life. Lord, thank you for what you did and what we celebrate this Christmas season. Lord, may our eyes be focused on what you gave and in turn how we could give that life to others. In Jesus' name, amen.